Alright, if you guys are still listening, it means you survived my set. That's good. That's really good. Your brains are intact. Uh, you should check out the next show, January 17th, with Natalie Berkey, Rory Eustace, and Luke Swisher. It's gonna be lit. This is Lampshade Media Presents Nobody Likes a Dusty Burrito with Courtney Taylor. Welcome to Lampshade Media Presents. Nobody likes a dusty burrito. Nobody likes a dusty burrito? As far as I can tell, there is no one that likes a dusty burrito. Doesn't sound good. The name doesn't sound good? Dusty burritos don't sound good. Oh, okay. I was terrified that you thought it was a bad name because... No, I think Dave Berkey did okay. Really? I'll try and top it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I respect his choice. Are you... You're saying... Nobody <laughs> likes the Dusty Burrito is a good podcast name, and Dusty Burritos are bad. Yeah, it makes me think of Dustiest Step. I know. I thought that's what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody likes Dusty's Burritos? He's a pizza man, and he's made that very clear. <laughs> um, but we have to skip past this portion of the interview because... As you know, I still write Dusty Eastup letters every day. Um, I'm I'm still mad that he's not my boyfriend, and that's why I've been such Actual a Actual cri- letters? Oh, yeah. It's calligraphy, actually. It's a lost art. And I pine for him every day. If anybody sends me any fucking messages and says that I'm being petty about this, it's obviously a fucking joke. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I have critiqued that subject all the way into the ground so you know i may have just stepped in uh in in mud i was not aware of because all i know is that it he seems to be a uh a lightning rod like oh i think he would definitely maybe lightning rod is the wrong term like that's attracting lightning whereas he's he's maybe sending more lightning i don't know (laughs) it really would just depend on who you'd ask but i think uh, I think lightning rod is not an inappropriate term to be used. And I think that he would consider it to be appropriate. I wonder sometimes, like, just because I'm so into, like, local uh, uh, entertainment, like, in, in the city of Columbus, uh, and, and I've, you know, in, in any community there is drama, right? Yeah. And as I've gotten to know the Columbus comedy scene a little bit more, it's so amazing to me, all of these uh, Facebook groups, and all of the crazy shit dramatic. that happens. We are a, such a dramatic scene and people always say it. And then, uh, you know, I'm not at all by any means the least dramatic member of the group. But like, also, I've never claimed to not be a dramatic or theatrical person. Uh, but I, I try not to, s- s- you know, step into trouble that I have no business being in. I'm also not afraid to tell you how I fucking feel about something that I have experience with. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm sure I've been categorized in the past as like someone. You're not going to suffer a fool. Yeah, I'm not going to suffer a fool. And if everybody's sort of jumping on the train of like, this person's just a fool, they're just a gesture, 
And I have evidence that that that's not necessarily true. I'll speak up. But honestly, honestly, from the very bottom of my heart, Dusty Step, I don't believe is a bad person. As far as like the uh, the drama, though, it's bigger than Dusty, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like there is drama within every. It seems facet like there are the like scene. contingents of you know. Dusty's almost people. the punching bag for the drama because there's always someone willing to stand up and be like, Dusty's not that bad. And at the end of the day, it's true because he's not a shit person. Right. So like, it's he's an easy punching bag because he puts his foot in his mouth. And he's willing to start a fight. And he's not by far and large, like at all, the most problematic person in the scene, I'm sure. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does get a lot of the shit. Um, but Do yeah, you- there's drama like interwoven in lots of different ways. But I also think some of the most successful in most book comics are the best at keeping their nose out of it. And I also know that I've probably lost bookings because I, I wouldn't consider myself a gossip, but I, not that I, you know, spread lies, but I am willing to, you know, sort of like call someone out or say like, no, I don't actually agree with that. Or that's not what you said at the time or whatever. And I do think that that can be like harmful. The the By far and large, the most successful comics like keep their nose clean and stay out of that kind of petty shit, you know. Uh, the inner interpersonal squabbling mm-hmm. you're talking about. Well, yeah. Or like. I think you should call someone out when their behavior is problematic and that's what I try and do, but it can also be seen as like being petty and creating trouble where there isn't any. So it's a pretty fine line. And I'm not saying I really believe in call out culture where you're like, you're a shit person and here's why. But sometimes it is hard not to be reactionary when someone like really doesn't seem to understand the consequences of the position that they have. Yeah, totally. Totally. So that's, I, that I shit am, needs to be addressed. And I am guilty of like being quick to temper in that sense. But um and I'm sure it's lost me bookings. I know that like when I was a pretty young comic, I kind of started shit with another female comic over what if I reflect on it was pretty it was a pretty innocuous post, but it felt to be like very much like not like other girls. And this woman's quite a bit older than me and I thought that wasn't cool, and so I got on my, like, little feminist pedestal and was like, hey, like, men already make fun of us for this shit. Why can't we just, like, support each other? And I got, like, so much, like, backlash on one post. It was, like, people just kind of piled on to be like, oh, my God, fucking Snowflake. And ever since then, I've tried to, like, be smarter about picking my battles, but I still, like, stand by that position that I got really attacked for, and... I basically got the feedback that like, you know, keep your head down, keep your mouth shut. This person was more powerful and influential than you when they said that. And Mm. and I I don't like really support that idea. But I do think there's something to be said for like essentially keeping your nose clean and just kind of trying to stay out of things because it makes you an easier book and make you don't have to worry about, you know, if you are going to clash with someone else you've booked because you're like <laughs> notoriously loud and opinionated. So I do think that there are probably people who do better off by like being less opinionated. I guess like, especially at the local level, probably because you don't have the clout necessarily of like a national headline or something. So like somebody that has more uh, ticket power on the, on, on, a, on a certain level, right. In the local level, there's a lot of people on the same uh, playing field, right. 
Yeah, but you know what? Like now that I'm saying this, there's also so many people who would make the argument that in such a progressive scene, I'm more likely to be booked for being opinionated yep, or for right. checking diversity boxes. And I can't really disagree with them either. What I would say is I'm often the token person like me on a show, which is still kind of embarrassing because like I am a woman and I am queer and that's great. But if I check all of your diversity boxes on a show and everybody else is white straight men, to be honest, you're still not doing that great. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm talking about a lineup of five comedians. We're all white and I'm the only girl. And you know what? I'm not even here to complain about lineups because sometimes they happen that way. Like, yeah. It's not, but most, and, but that's what, that's almost like the opposite of the argument I'm making. Sometimes I am the token woman or the token queer person, but by far and large lineups in Columbus are progressive and they are diverse. And some people (laughs) will make the argument that that means I'm more likely to get booked because I present a sort of like couple diversity checkpoints that you can say, well, look, we didn't book all the same kind of person on the show. I, I made a decision at some point that for Lampshade Media Presents Live, we were going to have one token white cis straight guy on the show. And that's I, I, I don't think that I need to do that necessarily, but I think that this uh, community su- can support that. Oh, yeah. I for think sure. that actually represents the city. Oh, yeah. And I've done five it's of these almost- and not had any problems so far. But what I am finding is that I am like having a lot. There are a lot of uh, white hat uh, cis dudes that I'm not getting on the show that I'd love to have on the show. Yeah. But I mean, I, there's so many people on the other side of it. Right. It's well, if you looked at like a population density of comedy, there's still like probably three white het cis guys for every I don't know I would say one woman like women definitely represent a minority and then you look at queer people and like the facts are that like many if not most of the women in comedy are some kind of queer but uh we have very like few queer men comics and then like comics of color you have I can think of some standouts yeah I can too yeah For sure. But like, I just mean that like by far and large, like the biggest part of the community is that third person you're trying to book that doesn't check any diversity, whatever, like which who cares if they're funny would be the argument that like many of them would make. And I don't disagree with it, but that is by far the largest pool. So by the way that you're doing it and when it's only three of the three performers, it would take you quite a bit longer to get through the white straight cis oh, male I, comics. You I know mean, what I mean? I think I could have easily booked every show I've done so far. We're just about to the fifth live performance uh, in at the time of this recording. And I could have booked every one of them with, uh, with uh, straight white cis guys. Yeah. So, I mean, easily. Uh, but I also easily booked. I've never, I've not struggled to book at yeah. all. Yeah. I've had a couple of people that didn't that you know weren't didn't want to uh, take part yet. You know they were like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not sure I want to do that right now or like whatever. It didn't work out. Um, but uh, there's plenty of people 
that are that have that that are funny as fuck in this city. I I have I've no actually I was actually talking to Ryan Branch about this. You know Ryan, he does uh, he does uh, Comedy Town with uh, Dustin. Okay. Um. Yeah, he's awesome. He's not a comic, um, but he is a uh, he's a you know I don't I, I don't know like what to call him. I feel like we might have met once. Does he, he does do drunk the- PowerPoint. I, I haven't done that, but I did do the movie podcast one time that um, okay. he's done that a, Dustin he, used to do. He does a lot of creative stuff. He's been on uh, Quizbox, I believe. He's been on different uh, shows around town. Um, but any case, I was talking to him about uh, this Lampshade Media podcast concept. I'm like, this is I was doing local music for like three years, and, and that crashed and burned for for whatever reason, and. I was the whole time I was like thinking next step is comedy. There's a comedy scene here. I just, I just know, like I know Amber Falter. I know Dustin uh, Meadows. I know Doug, you know, wonder Doug. And uh, these three were somehow associated with the music scene that I was into. Right. And that's why I knew them, but I knew there was something else that there was a thing there that was like great. And so I asked Ryan, I'm like, so like, you know, could, could the Columbus comedy scene, like, you know, support, a, uh, you know, this many podcasts a year. And he looks at me like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so true. It's so true. And it's so crazy. It's there's, it's incredible. Lots of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's also wildly diverse, which is so representative of Columbus. Mm-hmm. Columbus is an amazing city, like for just the amount of different ideas I run into in this city on the regular fucking day blows my mind sometimes yeah (laughs) you know of course i grew up in like the country outside of toledo ohio and it was not very diverse so yeah i I grew up very much in the country too are Um, you a country girl yes like towny or country country no i grew up on a farm oh shit so like how many people were in your high school um i graduated 17th in a class of 126 Ah, uh, and you ranked yourself. I did rank myself. You just are. There. I, I'm starting to pick up. You were ranking uh, uh, the yourself among uh, among eyebrows in the comedy scene. Uh, yeah, I'm number one. You are a, a, a person <laughs> that ranks. Not right now. I am a <laughs> ranker. I am a ranker. <laughs> but uh, gotta know where you stand. <laughs> when did you come to the city? Because you like, I would think of you as a city girl now. I only came to the city two years ago but i've no made shit. yeah listen i've made a very conscious effort since a young age to not sound like my like my mom doesn't talk like she's from the sticks but my dad does and i could tell the difference so from a young age i feel like i've made a conscious effort to like sound like columbus people sound yeah yeah that's interesting because i'm always worried that i like talk about my past too much but when I was kind of, I, I changed all my worldview and everything. I grew up super fundamentalist, Christian, whatever, Republican as fuck. And now I'm completely different, have completely mm-hmm. different viewpoints. I, you know, had to rearrange everything I believed. Right. And there was a period of time. And I remember talking to a friend about this where I admitted that I couldn't trust myself to speak in public. And, and I would like, because I had horrible instincts you know, yeah. like my instincts were all back ass words from what I actually wanted them to be, but they were still there because I still like had my whole life, you know, yeah, I still these face instincts. that like every day though. So Literally. Is, it's like that. I think so. Yeah. I 
think you have to constantly challenge like the biases and and your own instincts. Yeah. But um, I mean, I'm the same way. In fact, the first time I voted, it was um, Obama versus John McCain. And I voted for John McCain. Mm-hmm. I did, too. Because, you know, my parents... I, I don't really feel like I even had free thought yet. I'd almost argue that I shouldn't have been able to vote. I I believed a lot of like lies about Obama that upon reflection were clearly just like out and out racism. And were you a birther? My parents believed that. I was smart enough to not believe that because I was 18. I did not believe that. I think I may have believed that he had like not even ties to the Taliban but there was just so much going on I don't even remember what the stories were but my parents very much believed them and they I mean but at the end of the day they were just Republicans even they've changed honestly yeah like the world is changing it's becoming more progressive yeah it definitely is even they've changed their mind on a lot of that I don't think you could get them to go back in time and vote for Obama but I even do, but they wouldn't vote for Trump again. I don't know if they did the first time, Wait, but I I don't. You don't think they will? They voted no, for him once. My stepdad's okay. So my real dad, I'm sure, voted for Trump. My stepdad is a libertarian, and I believe in my heart oh, that a good libertarian wouldn't vote for Trump. I don't think so. Uh, my mom has never. My mom won't tell you who she votes for, but I'm guessing she voted libertarian like her husband, honestly, which is a waste of a fucking Wait, vote. She won't tell you she her won't daughter. tell any she won't tell anyone in she, the world but she doesn't even share her opinions about it like you don't have an idea of she what she agrees she's with whoever's talking to her or oh she gosh, or if she doesn't wild. she shuts her mouth she actually does agree with me on a lot of things and i can tell she genuinely does when i say things like the system needs to change like how are millennials gonna Take care of baby boomers when they start dying. If we don't have any social security, like this system's not going to work. And she understands that. Yeah. I think she thinks the solutions are different than I do. And I think that she is distrustful of the government, which I totally understand. But that means that she thinks when someone says, we're going to give you this shit for free, it's a lie. And don't get me wrong. I understand that anxiety that like a politician is just feeding you lies. But if they have a fucking financial plan in place that shows you how they can do it, if you if they don't do it, you fucking vote in someone else. Like, I mean, it's better than what the other side, you know what I mean? Like, I think my parents are finally starting to understand, too. Like, I think a lot more people would actually still be resonating with the Republican Party if they hadn't elected this fucking moron because it's yeah. getting embarrass uh, embarrassing to yeah. be associated with it. The only people who are still really wholeheartedly defending Trump are honestly people who are like often like lacking basic reasoning skills, like not yeah. even to be an asshole or to like shame people who are ignorant. But it's literally people who like can't think an argument through because there's no like they've really just run out of sort of excuses or anything to say to defend yeah. him at this point. I feel like what's happening right now in our culture is this kind of extreme tribalism i don't know if extreme is is the best way to say it but but what i mean by that is we are radicalizing on 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 two sides and and it terrifies me it fucking terrifies me 
I w- I've been a part of both of it. I've been. I've, I feel like I've run the gamut through the the whole mm-hmm. thing in my change in worldviews. I agree that that is terrifying, and it's like, on the one hand, like, is it not great as an LGBTQ person to find your like Columbus, Ohio, after being from a tiny town where you always felt like something was like off with you, and you never really knew what was up and and like coming here has been so much better for me but in a way I've been tribalized and I've found a group of other queer leftist people who agree with everything I say and are in my echo chamber and that's like I would argue that it's way 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 less concerning than like white nationalists but yeah I guess the idea could be like related I mean you do form spaces that you think are safe the problem is that like the people radicalizing on the other side are building their safe spaces around like what they aren't or i don't know if that makes sense but they're like building their safe spaces around things like race whereas like lgbtq people span every race and Mm -hmm. socioeconomic situation you know (laughs) the majority who makes the rules doesn't really get to have a safe space, in my opinion. Like, they can have one, I guess, but leaving everybody else out, that's the opposite of a safe space. That's a hateful space because the majority has a space where no one outside of the majority can go. So that's, like, such a stupid argument to me when when people compare, like, their white nationalism, for example, is, like, often compared to tribalism and... I think there's like a very different thing between like a sort of found family narrative where you find other people who are in a minority like yourself and you surround yourself with them and like uniting with like everyone from your culture that is already making all of the rules, you know, the, this snowflake uh, thing that the right is throwing around is so fucking absurd to me. I can't even, fathom it because we're we're talking about basically an analogy would be like taking a fucking dollar from a billionaire and him acting like that was you know some sort of grand theft you know Mm -hmm. it's like you can't give up even an ounce of privilege yeah like even a little you can't do that you're gonna you with all of that privilege, are going to act as if this is some egregious uh, theft of your liberty? Well, and we see Jesus time and Christ, time. who is the snowflake? Well, yeah, exactly. We see time and time again that like that snowflake terminology is used until the left or sen- or until the right are sensitive about something or other. Like somebody on my, I used to work with this like older woman at Starbucks and. Uh, we worked together for so long. I still have this weird fondness for her, but she was literally like all of her beliefs are opposite of mine. And I find her to be a very like generally bigoted person. And she, I still see her post on Facebook. She can't see mine anymore. And she'll like, she's very into that triggered snowflake argument. I remember she had um, a niece who was transitioning to become a man. So become her nephew essentially And she, like, could not accept this and could not understand the fact that, like, this niece had, like, identified as a lesbian and was now identifying as a trans man. And she was sort of like, 
well, what is it? And she was just like very bigoted in general. And she'll make that snowflake argument, especially about queer people. Like now you want me to call you by these pronouns. But at the same time, she recently made this like post about how Democrats are wasting government money impeaching the president. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, okay, like that is the most snowflakey thing I've ever heard. The president is taking money from us. Yeah. Like, Whatever he doesn't, we are take. paying yeah, him we, to be corrupt. Yeah, like which okay, someone will make the argument that he doesn't take a salary. I don't even believe that until you see his tax returns. I don't think you should believe any of it. Is that but, actually being like he's doing the? Uh, uh, oh, I can't. remember. I think Who's I did hear party? that. He, he's not. I, I don't. I, he's supposed to be donating it, but he's already stolen money from a charity that <sighs> is for fucking children. So, right. um, but I mean, he's supposedly donating a salary, which great, he already made like. So much money off claiming bankruptcy so many times we can't even see what he spends his money on, where he gets it. It could all be in a bank account overseas. Who cares? Whatever. But he's corrupt as fuck. And to say that we're wasting the American taxpayer dollars on impeachment when they impeached fucking Bill Clinton for much less. And, like, also we spend all that money on fucking war. Yeah. And, like, the military. I don't know. Tangent. This has been very politically charged. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I feel like we need to talk about stuff like that. You know, for instance, your mom not talking about who she votes for. I'm thinking, why? Why not? I get that some people feel that way. I just don't understand how that could possibly help. It's all it's so passive, like aggressive kind of like like we're going to I'm going to vote this way. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't think it matters or I just want to get along. I think it's very much like you shouldn't talk about religion. You shouldn't talk about politics. And like to some extent that stuff is true. I guess your mind never really expands if you don't talk about it with someone. But then I'm also the type of person that rarely concedes that I'm wrong. So that doesn't get me that far. I don't know how many minds I've changed. But I do think that somehow, some way, like weirdly, I I know this makes no sense. I think arguing about it until I die is like better for my soul than just being like, well, it's my little secret. Like whether or not I believe poor people should eat or not. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I know that the parties are not that much of a dichotomy. The shitty thing is like the party system is, but the whole system is like fucking trash, but it's a pretty clear division in this day and age, which party cares about marginalized people. Yeah. Including the poor, including the white working class poor. Like, that's what I think gets ignored is that there's a lot of white people. I grew up in the white working class poor, and these are people that will gladly. They uh, literally believe that brown. Their their values. They literally think brown people are coming in and fucking up their lives, and it's simply untrue. Like, economically, it's it's not true. That are doing it. Exactly. Exactly. Like, and it's so. I mean, I guess I didn't used to understand it either, but like, yeah, exactly. Like there are people, how are you going to be mad at like, okay, well let's, let's pretend that like your biggest beef is illegal immigrants, Mexicans coming here to steal your jobs. Okay. First of all, not your job. You would never do the job that they get. Second of all, they don't make shit for it. Third of all, they commute to and from Mexico, many of them every day or whatever, like a wall won't stop many of them. Many of them come over on planes. But, like, even if that's your biggest threat, that person is so much poorer than you. 
Yeah. So I guess I understand you not wanting to vote to quote unquote uplift them, which I still think is garbage. But that person is like, they have way less power influence than you. They can't even vote. Most people in America (laughs) don't understand. They don't like think how rich they are. Yeah. For one thing, when it comes to immigration, people do not fucking understand that if you are poor in America, you're still rich compared yeah. to the most of the fucking world. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't, you know, do more for the poor in America at all. But what I'm saying is this is I think this is why well, the I would uh, argue... poor in America can vote against their own self-interest somehow. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I guess we're you're... getting pretty thick in the politics, but like I'll, I'll I go there. <laughs> I guess you're right. Like, I mean, they're really to be truth be told, they're not poor. They're in such rural, unisolated areas. The cost of living is like so low that they can make it work on a very low income. I would say. I mean, there are people who are like definitely struggling with real poverty oh, yeah. in America, oh, yes. but the, oh, yes. the bigger Absolutely. overarching issue for me is like wage just distribution. But we're talking like, people like, uh, like comparatively many... making dollars a day in yeah. other in, in other third world countries in most of the world, right? Like we're That's talking true. about such such crazy differences. Like when I, I I've I've traveled very little, but when I have, I have seen I, I I've been in areas that were shockingly impoverished that treated me like I was some kind of fucking uh, uh, rich, like, asshole. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they could, like, I was, like, a target in some some places I've been, you know, because I was from America and I was on vacation and, you know, I I, I would, you know, it's it's crazy to me that I, and it, and it, it was a weird kind of ego trip. Because mm-hmm. I know that I don't have a lot of money, and that I was traveling in these places because I, you know, was was on a budget, mm-hmm. and I could, you know, spend my money went better there or whatever, you know, that kind of shit. But I had to recognize that I was fucking rich when I was there. Yeah, I was rich as fuck. Yeah, and it was weird. It's a weird head job. It is. So if, people that immigrate to America like are making a fucking killing here in their in their culture yeah. you know what i mean it, it, not their culture if you know in their part of the world compared to what they can make there to well, us that's not it's tr- still that's so not little. true though that it depends so much on the country i mean you don't see like so it's not so much that you don't see european immigrants you do see european immigrants yeah, totally do. but they aren't as subject to racist policies of course but I would definitely say that more people come here from countries that are more impo- impoverished. Like, I i don't know what their wages are in other countries. But the amount of money alone it takes to live in, like, a city like Paris. Paris is, like, straight rich people. And, like... I would have no idea. I mean, I haven't even been there. I just remember, like, when we were in high school learning about France. And, like, its it's sort of, like all doctors and lawyers and people who happen to accidentally be rich. I guess it's probably equivalent to like New York city. And they like, I'm sure there's definitely poor people in New York city, but everybody there, like the the cost of living is very high. It's just a different, yeah, it's a completely different perspective. Like in, in New York city, like 
I've never been, but but from what I understand, obviously uh, the the cost of living is incredibly high. But then you get paid a lot more, even to be a, a fucking bartender or whatever. Right. And so you know you could afford like a you know fucking dorm room situation and bartend and live in a really fun city that's interesting. Right. And people just like rent a place to sleep and then they live in a coffee shop and then you know they they entertain in a restaurant or a coffee shop or whatever mm-hmm. and it's a different lifestyle, right? Yeah. And I, I guess it's like that anywhere in the world you're going to have to adapt to the the area you're in and shit like that. But I guess I'm I'm thinking like it's worth fucking breaking the law and 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 jumping a fence and you know uh risking death literally uh they find dead Mm -hmm. people all the time in fields along the mexican border yeah you know um people are going through deserts and shit it's worth that to get here and we can't understand the value that we are just sitting on yeah we're here by chance of birth. Right. And we're going to act like we are in some sort of risk because somebody wants like, to we were, uh, I, work I mean, in a field or do some fucking uh, drywall or whatever the fuck construction right. thing. Like like the, the, the typical, you know, immigrant jobs that are on the uh, on the poor end. Like I, I work in construction, so I work with uh, uh, immigrants all the time of. So there's and, and not just Mexican, there's also Korean and different different nationalities that I've, you know, and it, it, it's very ethnic. A whole team of a different ethnicity will come and they'll have their food in the fucking crock pot going. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like it's a whole different ball game, whoever they might be. But I don't like think that like these people work their ass off. Yeah. And they have to travel from another country. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. They're fucking killing it. But also, like, the fact that we're even born here, I mean, I haven't, like, really traced back my genealogy, but, like, how long ago did my family even earn the right to, like, make these fucking rules for everybody else? I mean, like, we are largely, like, Irish, English, French. Like, you know, we could have, for all I know, like, yeah. three or four five generations back sure. or something like. well in the night like in the early 1900s italians were were and, and irish yeah. were uh you know considered animals right yeah by uh you're more uh english white people yeah so how do you change people's minds how did your mind change you grew up in the sticks you were republican as fuck or whatever like how did you change your mind well you know how they're like education turns everyone into progressive yeah (laughs) let it roll yeah (laughs) yeah uh i went to college college, well i went to college and i didn't finish but i did have to i went to capital university um and i had to take a a class called cultural pluralism and they made us read articles about racism and that kind of stuff and like I wouldn't have said at the time that my ideas were really changed, but it was a combination of like taking that class and learning more because there's a lot you really don't know. There's a lot they really fucking dead ass don't tell you at a rural public school. Oh, yeah. Like seriously a lot. Like the government basically, the government admitted that they killed Martin Luther King Jr. No one ever taught me that. Why not? They taught us that he was assassinated. The government 
paid his family off for that. They admitted that they did it. They threatened wait. him. Yeah, look the shit up. This is not a crazy conspiracy wait a theory. You're wait, 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 wait. Just so we're clear, I'm confused. You're saying that the government paid to have him assassinated? Okay, here's what I'm saying. The government sent Martin Luther King a letter, and they were telling him that he needed to kill himself or else they would expose his affairs. And then some other shit happened. Honestly, you should watch the drunk history version of this because it's very good. Um, But uh, eventually he was assassinated. And I guess... I can't one with 100% clarity say the government admitted to it, but they did pay his family off in a settlement in court. Okay. I'm I think definitely going to look into that. That yeah, sounds yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, it's totally crazy. I know that the uh, uh, the, he was under investigation, had secret files. They were tapping his phone and following him because yeah, he, he had was a threat like, to, uh, to but the he had like a, government. He had an affair, and they were also using that to like blackmail him. Right, right. Um. Yeah, they did. They did pay his fam. The government of the United States paid Martin Luther King's family a settlement for his death. That's fucking. Nuts. I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure. If Mel facts checks this and I'm wrong, then you. I don't have an official it. fact checker. I mean, you can uh, literally Google is, it. You can Google it and read it. And if I'm lying, this is a this is a thing about listening to podcasts. Uh, I feel like listeners of podcasts have a responsibility to not just believe every fucking thing they hear. I mean, that's true, but we should <laughs> we should double check that and make sure I was not telling an egregious. I mean, I'm not. If I know I was, I'm not. Yeah, maybe if I had a if I had a Jamie, if only I had a Jamie to like you know look things up while we continue to. There talk. are like mad fact checkers on the internet now, though. We could do it really quick after this, but yeah, we could just pause it and do it right now. You want to? Yeah, sure. Diddly, 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 diddly. We're back from the future. We're back from the future, and it was kind of a bad fact. It wasn't a bad fact, but it wasn't a hundred percent the truth either. You tell them the rest, Mel. Well, like it seems to be that there is definitely some shit going on here. It, it seems to me that there is definitely some shit. So the uh, the family of Martin Martin Luther King Jr. sued the government. For $10 million, they won this case, but in their closing arguments, they asked only for $100 to prove the point that it wasn't about the money, and they were awarded $100. This was by a Memphis court, I believe. And what we found is that the uh, in, in, the, in 2000, that the uh, Department of Justice rejected this based on lack of evidence, which I am saying, if it if this is an actual conspiracy, which it sounds like there's some merit to this claim, that's what they would do. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if people bring up department of justice statistics, I feel like we have, I have to trust someone somewhere, but I mean, you you choose the government. No, you never know how deep (laughs) the conspiracy goes. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think that it makes a lot of sense in, addition to the fact that like the cia or whatever was already like sending him letters tapping his phone oh yeah they're totally fucking with him yeah and yeah hoover had it in for him yeah the fbi shit like craziness yeah well well all right this is a weird segue but you know stevie J. I i know stevie J. 
from where's he from? He's from around the way. Yeah, God, it just rhymes so great. It does rhyme. <laughs> we got to give him a call. He was the winner at your uh, at your lampshade show. You guys chose him. <laughs> to- we chose him because we thought he'd ask funny questions. Well, why why wouldn't he? He's fucking funny as hell. He's probably like half asleep right now. We'll see. We'll see. He is. Ooh, he's on. Ringing. Oh yeah! It's, it's. This is always so exciting. Will he answer? Hello. Hi. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, Mr. Stevie J? Yes, I am doing all right. I just came from around the way. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, man. Uh, we were just talking about all kinds of politics. We were we were we were talking mad politics, actually. We were so deep, Stevie. Uh, you have to pull us well, out. We started getting into conspiracy theories and shit. Like, yeah. I'm not really big on the conspiracy theories. Uh, I do know that as far as politics go, yeah, uh, Trump's hair does look like the pubes on a werewolf pussy. That's all I will say. <laughs> like, politically bad, speaking. Uh, politics. Pubes <laughs> on, was that a werewolf pussy? Yes, it was. Okay, just clarify. Very spooky. Because they're fake? <laughs> Very spooky. Do werewolf, like, do they, uh, they got the, uh, the Merkins, the werewolves? Oh, it's very, very thin hair. So, you know, very delicate hair. You can tell that it's, uh, it's supernatural. But, you know, it's not too bad, apparently. It is spooky. It's bad. It's <laughs> it just is. a bad it's rug. He has been wearing it since, like, the year I was fucking born. Yeah, like, uh, he is going to hold on to that piece until he ends up in a grave. So, you know. It's, yeah. If it isn't broke, don't Actually, it. I, I would say that the piece will last far longer than his body. I would say so, too. You're, you're right. I, I would definitely say that, yeah. He It'll be will, in a museum uh, one day. <laughs> God. Don't, feel, the presidential Trump museum. That's what it'll be in. Just the piece. Just the hair piece. Nothing <laughs> else. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's they can put the, the hair piece in the Smithsonian or something when they're sitting down. Melania can be in the museum. Lab. She's going to outlive him. She'll, yeah, and she'll be preserved. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> for prosperity, for sure. So you, Mr. Mr. J, if I may, from around yeah. the way? Gosh, that's right. <laughs> God, I make myself laugh. Um. <laughs> You were the prestigious winner of our yeah. of our of our call in spot because your questioning was so so glorious. Oh well, thank you. Now the pressure's on. You got You got something for us? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, really just a, a question for Courtney. Um, I'm a big fan. Uh, uh, I would consider myself a fan. I think that you're going to be going places. You're going to be like a really big star. My question was like, if indeed, you know, things pan out for you and you do in fact become a big star, are you going to have like a writer list for your show? And if so, what would be on your writer list? What are these must haves that you need in order to perform? Oh, I love it. I, I love it. Really, yeah. I feel Thank like I'd be... I, I feel like I'd be big on like a couple things. So here's what I always said. If I got money, I would have a driver. I hate driving. 
um, hate okay. that. So what I think that I would do is I would just hire a makeup artist who could drive, and she would be both, <laughs> and we'd be best friends. And uh, she could do whatever job she wanted. I'd pay her like half my salary. I'd be like, I don't even care. Thanks for making my life run smoothly. And I'd always be everywhere on time, and my makeup would always look great. And then other than oh, yeah. that, I think my demands would be more like, I mean, I would definitely want to have like elaborate, like outfits to wear. I think I think I'd spend like a lot of money on that. <laughs> you fashion. You have to have a wardrobe, uh, on hand makeup artist slash driver before you show yeah. up in the venue. Well, honestly, I think a lot of female comics probably already have that stuff. I don't know. Maybe some of I guess maybe some of them do their own makeup, but I feel like they don't do their own makeup mm -hmm. for like national shows because that's I don't know it can be really hard to get it right I could probably right. do my own makeup maybe I'd just uber I don't know yeah I feel like I'd put a lot of money into that kind of like self-presentation thing because um, mm -hmm. like even though I'm really passionate about comedy as a whole and like public speaking I I mm. really do like just like fucking theatrics sometimes and just like making a big oh. deal out of shit and and wearing six inch heels on a Wednesday. I mean, I'm I'm very into it. Like if if you're gonna be on stage in oh. front of a bunch of people, you might as well like fucking do it up, right? I like opulence. Yeah, yeah you gotta just <laughs> like be look the best. Be the best. So I have I see I see no problems with that for sure. Well how, you, you're a performer, like what's gonna be what's on, on your yours? List? Oh wow. Um it will probably be um like uh like swisher sweets and uh yeah i would want probably. like champagne oh. or something oh hey by the way i think i have uh some of your swisher sweets left they were left oh, okay. on my patio they're still out there but the bag's sealed i'm saving them for you no all right cool because I'm, I'm gonna need those and, and uh <laughs> certainly put something in that because they're and, not uh, on your rider yet huh <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we can we can scratch one thing off, off the list. Um, I guess aside from that, uh, an abundance of beer. I'm not really into to liquor, but I, I love the beer. Uh, I'm pouring a whiskey beer. right now. All right. Cool. Cool. You know, there's a little something. Some I I don't really like to perform sober, so just like something to put me in the mood. And um, like lastly, just a girl with an enormous ass, just to look at. I probably can't touch because I have a girlfriend. But just for the so, so you're just gonna hire a uh, a a stripper or something to come around with a big ass and just stand there in the vicinity. Yeah, somewhere and in the vicinity. She would have to roll. She would have. Yeah, she would have to roll my my blunts for me as well. I think that you know okay. the same way that that Courtney feels about a driver slash makeup artist. I need a. Yeah, I think you should. Very enormous ass who can roll my weed. Yeah, I think it's good to to use two skills at once. I mean, my cousin is like yeah. a makeup artist. She drives, and I'm like, I will literally hold your baby for you if you just manage the rest of my life for me. You know? Well, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, if you can, you can kill two someone... birds with one stone. <laughs> that trade off yeah. is so fucking funny. Just economize that whole thing right now. Like, you know, if we can just get make you like you know. A, a dual-headed sort of, you know, monster that works for me. Like me, I mean, I don't is know where like, I'll find this this woman, but you know, this I'm, is like I'm the TV. 
that has the VCR built into it though and the problem always is is if the tv fucks up then your tv or your vcr is also i'm sorry i was born in 81 uh i forget i'm talking to children (laughs) (laughs) a vcr yeah i had one of those combos before and they did not work out well because if one's gone to you know the shit then the other one's gonna be pretty much messed up too so yeah that would be pretty cool to have on a writer list like just demand that i have a tv vcr combo <laughs> and a bitch with a big ass, so she can and, and a big ass with plenty of swishers. And I guess like the only tapes that I would have would probably be like the VHS to like, uh, like uh, the Matrix and Eddie Murphy yeah. Raw because I could like watch both <laughs> of those every day. So, <laughs> Courtney, what VHSs uh, did you? What were your like most played VHS? They were honestly all Disney movies because I was like that in the big ass plastic puffy yeah. cases. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was that yeah, young oh, yeah. when DVDs came out. Like, I had DVDs when I was, like, probably, like, six or seven or eight. Like, they started to become oh, popular. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was born in 94. I don't know when they hit popularity, but. That seems about right, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it seems about right. Like, I had, um, I got my first DVD player, like, I don't know, like, uh, I want to say, like, uh, 16. And it was just so weird bringing it to my house my mom is like it's a cd i'm like no it's a movie are you sure there's a movie on there i'm like yeah there's look it's in a case it's a it's an actual movie it's it's howl man with kevin bacon you know shit like that like yeah. freaked her out back in 2000 but now it's obsolete but like yeah we used to have like all the tapes like all the disney shit like we had so many of them we had double copies of some and some of them had, oh, yeah. had penises on them the Disney tapes? So <laughs> they say like that about the... No, no, no. Oh. It was a part of the design, like, from the fucking uh, Disney people. They would hide dicks in the in the old Disney tapes. Like, this is well known. Is that a real thing, though? For real? I mean, yes, it's I've a real seen, thing. I've seen that on the internet. <laughs> I remember seeing it on the Little Mermaid one. I find the rest of them to be, like, pretty far-reaching. Okay, yeah. At some point, everybody wanted it to be there. Like, of yeah. course, there are phallic structures, but... No, okay. that Little Mermaid cover, that was a fucking dick. But they hit a dick in that one. Yeah, they yeah. definitely put a dick to, in like, there. I'm going to Google it now just to refresh our memory, because we, like, had that... The tape it's not an here. obvious stick. It's not an obvious stick. No, once you see it though, you, you can't, can't not it. see it. Yeah, it's definitely it. a dick. There's so, one it's like, oh shit, that's a that is definitely a, a like, glams. Is, like his eyes follow you around case. the room. That is a very. I mean, like, um, I would definitely try to have something really cool to watch as far as like VHS tapes. If I'm going to demand that I have a, a DVD or at least a, a tape, a TV combo, or yeah, like a like the original Matrix and like Eddie Murphy's Rock. Like I watch them like every day. And I get tired <laughs> of them, so I would definitely go for those for sure. Well, man, I want to thank you so much uh, for coming out. I think I had seen yes, yes. you maybe once or twice at uh, maybe the Shrunken Head open mic, uh, and then uh, you yeah. came out to our show, and uh, mm-hmm. then of course uh, you know won fame and glory from our comics here tonight. Yes. But uh, yeah, I was glad to. I was glad to come. <laughs> it was a great show. I, I came to support uh, Courtney and Joel and the Leslie Battle. It was a great show. Aww, and uh, you know, I, I was I was certainly you know do it again. And uh, it was it was a good time. And I'm glad to you guys called me. Uh, you know, I'm just here 
chilling with this badass cat, you know, drinking beer, playing Xbox. That's what I do. That's what I do. I'm glad we got to talk to you, Steve. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. I don't know, not a problem. Anytime. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you soon. Okay. All right. We'll see you. All right. I'll see you then. All right. You guys go. All right. Bye. Good old Stevie J. Gotta love him. <laughs> what a sweetheart, though. Seriously. Yeah, that was a that's a good question. It's like one of those that's. Uh, it seems like it should be like obvious, like what's on your rider. But like, how often have you ever thought of that? I mean, I think about the idea kind of a lot because I followed Chelsea Handler really strongly, and she has all these people who like help her. <laughs> I'm like, help, <laughs> someone teach me to cook. And she like makes Instagram videos now where she's just like putting Cheetos and macaroni and cheese because she can't function because she's so rich. That sounds okay. <laughs> so coming back to some of the stuff we were talking about, but in a different way, I'm, there's a joke you have about your parents that always, it just, it makes me like feel a way because... I w- honestly, especially now that I know that you grew up conservative and in the country, like I did kind of, you were more country. I was more towny, but, um, you, you have, you have a joke that you tell about your, you, you, you present as if your parents are in the audience and then, uh, reveal that they would never come to your show basically. Cause they aren't proud. Right. Yeah. It's so let me establish this. It's a hundred percent a joke. I tell that joke when my parents are there. Okay. Uh, my and par- you act like they're not there when they're yeah, actually there. Yeah, I warn them. I'm like, I'm going to like tell the mean joke where you guys don't love me. But they they do uh, like, okay, so my mom is remarried. My father has never seen my comedy. Hey, dad, if you're listening. Just kidding. He can't work yeah. his computer. He wouldn't listen to this. Or yeah. my comedy. He says... My dad's unique perspective on it is that he thinks he would basically be too scandalized by the things I would say about myself. He knows so little about my life that he doesn't want to hear like me be vulgar, essentially. And so he refuses to watch me. So hmm. I guess so I guess that joke like can ring true in my heart a little bit with do bitterness. You, do you have a, a relationship with your father? Yeah, but really like a a very poor one, like not a not a very good one. Um, yeah. I I I don't talk to yeah. my dad. We I, we I talk occasionally, but we just aren't it. like what it, does he close. listen? Does he know that I do public shit? Does he? You yeah. know, does he think about it? I don't know. I, don't I really wonder give a how shit anymore. It's I honestly think sometimes like. A driving force for me, Stevie J was like, if you got famous and he was like, and you're going to be a big star. And I don't expect that any of that will happen. But sometimes I do ask myself, like, if I were on TV, would my dad watch? Like, what what is the line? Like, I went to the funny bone. I was a finalist in the competition and my dad didn't come. Like, how good at this do I have to get for him to care about it? But he he like is very firm on the fact that he doesn't want to hear me talk about my intimate life in that way which i think is an interesting position to take but i also have an incredible loving mother who is like literally a fucking saint i just made posts about this recently because i am so grateful for her and she remarried and her husband is actually pretty um supportive too although 
everyone assumes he's my dad and then they feel bad for him. They're like, oh my God, like Courtney makes all these daddy issue jokes and like you're here to hear him. And he's like, no, that's not my fault. I didn't meet her until she was 18. She already was like this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they're actually really like they're supportive. They don't come out to like a ton of shows, but to be fair, they live an hour from Columbus. So they do come out to the important shows, the ones I really care about. And, um, like they came out, I recently got added to the Monday Night Live cast, which is sketch comedy the second Monday of every month at Mikey's Late Night Slice. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless in, plug. Uh, downtown on, uh, on 4th? Yeah, on 4th. Yeah. yeah. And it's a really cool space and we do sketch comedy. We you aspire to be like, right? yep. Yeah. We aspire to be like Saturday Night Live. We've, we're adding a like update section now like it'd be weekend update but it's a monday and i'm really excited about that i'm much better at writing that type of joke than sketches but um that's more a comedian's game really whereas an improv comedian is much better at like writing a sketch so but my mom came to my like airing at that show like for my debut my debut if you will and my little brother came it was his birthday and he like chose to spend it by like coming to watch me do sketch work for the first time which is amazing so yeah the truth behind the joke is like they are actually proud of me there was definitely a while where they were like you dropped out of college what are you doing you're so smart you're not doing anything and I think they're like proud that I found something that I'm passionate about I I work two jobs I'm happy I pay my rent where I live and I think that's really all they can reasonably expect from me. And so they, huh. they are proud of me, but uh, the joke's funnier if they aren't proud. So as far as family goes, um, you talked to earlier about the fact that you're queer. Did that uh, growing up in the country, did you know you were queer back then? Did they know you were queer back then? No, I remember like really specifically. Okay. So I always get roasted for liking girls who look like me. And there was, <laughs> there was this girl named Taylor Cordell. Taylor, I'm sure you're not listening. You're married with children now. But Taylor Cordell was my best friend. And they found a note about me and Taylor. have, Which, by the way, Taylor Cordell, my name's Courtney Taylor. So we were, like, <laughs> interchangeable. And we were always going to the office together because we'd get in trouble for the same dumb ho shit we both did. We were very much like rebellious sort of bad kids and my parent my parents found a note and through the note it was clear that me and taylor had made out and that her boyfriend was mad about it and i remember my dad yeah, that's lit- weird well it was i mean he, he was her boyfriend and it was clearly like it wasn't like we were being like real gays or anything but he was threatened so it makes sense that he was mad did you we were kind of just experimenting we we're like eighth grade girls yeah but, but i feel like that would like do it for you like being like threatening to a guy uh no i mean she ended the friendship because like oh shit because her boyfriend yeah and then we became friends again but she was very anyway the bigger problem was that my parents found the note and my mom asked me a lot of questions about it and i lied a lot and she kind of just let me get away with that but my dad i remember specifically didn't speak a word to me for like a full 30 days after finding this note oh damn yeah, um, but I didn't really know or come out or anything until I was older. So, again, I go off to Capital University. 
I come back after being there for maybe a few semesters and I'm like, hey, I'm bi. It's fine. It, it doesn't mean I won't marry a man. It just means I like girls. And then like now it's taken me so long to question like whether I ever liked men or whether I just assumed it. And still sometimes I'll occasionally like seek male attention and it's very hard to differentiate whether you're doing that because you genuinely are attracted to men or whether you're doing it because you have so many fucking daddy issues that you just want. Mm. Like, so still to this day, I don't know if I'm bi or a lesbian and the idea of like putting a label on myself is so uncomfortable, but my, again. That's a tricky area for, for bi people in general, isn't it? It is because a lot of people are really biphobic. Yeah, like a lot of lesbians only want to. Yeah, a lot of lesbians only want to date lesbians. Like, I think I'd probably do much better in the dating game to identify that way because I'm largely not interested in dating most men. So it'd be easier if I identified as a lesbian. But I could do that for five, ten years and then meet some guy that just really fucking does it for me. I mean, you don't know. I have a friend that's uh, that's a girl. I was sitting there thinking, like, should, I can't say girlfriend because we're just friends and that would be confusing. But I can't say female friend because I can't call women females. In any case, um, she uh, dated a uh, strict lesbian. Mm-hmm. She's bi. And the le- this this woman found out that, that she was bi and it was like, oh, no. Deals, yeah, deals off. I and did. I was like, really? Yeah, she wouldn't. She wouldn't fuck her because she fucks guys. Yeah, which I mean, that's a problem on both sides. Like there are gay men who are the same way. I mean, I dated someone who I identified as a lesbian who slept with men with about the regularity as they slept with women, but they didn't like necessarily experience both things in the same way. They tended to sleep with men just sort of to do it or because they've been drinking or whatever, but they only formed relationships with women. And I think, I guess that person probably wouldn't necessarily use the word lesbian. They maybe use the word gay, but it's interesting. I think that that's, that's why I have a joke about this, that like sexualities are like scarves. You might as well try them on. There's really, <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like there are some people who are like, there are too many labels and I can't keep track. And then there are other people who are like, I just found this label and it fits me perfectly and now I have a purpose. And I don't think either side of that really fits like my philosophy or the way I think about things. I think it's something you're supposed to figure out as you go. I don't yeah. think you're I don't think you're supposed to be a hundred percent sure on anything, but um You know, that reminds me of my first uh the first interview I did for this for this podcast with uh with, with Doug. Wonder dog. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but we we talked about the fact that that there's no reason not to not to experiment with with these ideas. You have nothing to be afraid of. You know, just you know, like yeah, if it, if, if you're not into it, you know, yeah, well, let's not do it again. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, also, like, as someone who worked at the garden, like, works at the garden actively, gang, gang, come see me Tuesdays, uh, Fridays, and Saturdays. Those are my days at the garden. Um, 
I remember like this year we got the pride shipment of flags in and there was a bunch of flags that none of us knew, like dead ass, none of us. And I'm a very like, if you couldn't tell from the first, however long we've been fucking recording, I'm a very fucking Tumblr like person. If I can't tell you what a pride flag is, it's an obscure one. And they were very obscure. And even among the employees, there was this sort of like discourse of like, well, aren't there too many flags now? Aren't there too many categories? And at the end of the day, like if someone found the language to understand their experience and they found a flag of other people who feel like that, that's fucking dope. I support it 100%. I really have like no further comment except to say that like if someone else doesn't know that word or flag, of course you should still be kind and understanding because... You know, people are learning as they go, as they go, and I'm really amazed how many like boomers, if you will, um, as far as the whole okay boomer thing goes. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun, and like I would really love if this whole podcast was just a mixtape of us being like okay boomer over some fucking <laughs> sick traps. But like my like okay, for example, like my mom very conservative in raising me and she was at a variety show one time that I was performing in and there was a drag king which means someone dressing in drag to present as masculine and the only other thing I could I can really remember at this point is that the individual is trans and perhaps a bit androgynous but my stepdad was like very confused and he was like that's not a you can't this person is a, and my mom right away was like shut up we'll like talk about it in a minute and then my mom like very kindly explained to him like a someone's like presentation doesn't necessarily match the like pronoun that they want to use but b uh -huh. drag is doing the opposite of that anyway usually like yep. usually like even if they're a trans person if they're you know trans masculine then they may do drag in a feminine like that's the thing like it's very it's like the someone's gender is supposed to be difficult to determine when they're doing drag. Yeah, cuz drag queens uh, are generally gay men. Yeah. Stereotypically. Mhm. Mm and I think that this may have been a drag if I have to remember like I don't exactly, but I think it may have been like a drag king that was a trans woman. So that's someone who has gone through all this effort to look feminine. And then masculizes themselves for the stage. My stepdad's yeah. like, what's going on? And my mom's like, it doesn't really matter. From an artistic perspective, just thinking about that is incredibly interesting for me. Like, like what is the presentation and why, right? Um, I think in, in my queer like circles especially, I've noticed that like really what we're pushing away from is like the gender norm or the gender binary at all but that also tends to like while we're here also i'm not trans i really shouldn't speak on these issues at all but pushing away from the gender binary is like very strange for some very binary trans people like mm -hmm. trans people who are very much like i 100 percent feel like i'm a woman and then like they're yeah. again i mean it's just it's a quite convoluted issue but i think that like in a sense destroy gender progressivism is really happening. I mean, I think we're starting to understand that gender is a, 
performance. And so whatever you're doing, however you're presenting, it's sort of just a wink at what we perceive to be gender. And it, it can change so much. Like, you know, I know this is like a really dumb example, but I was like actually compelled to cross dress for Halloween for the first time this year. And I wanted to be like Sherlock Holmes. I still wore a full bead of makeup. This does not count as real cross-dressing. But <laughs> just for the first time, the idea that on Halloween, I could wear slacks and a jacket and a hat instead of wearing like a fucking slutty-ass like yeah. witch costume or whatever where I have fishnets. And like, I don't know. I just like, I really just wanted a practicality type thing. But like. That's the thing, like clothes or makeup or hair or facial structure really isn't inherently masculine or feminine. Even chromosomally, like there are women who have XY chromosomes. It's a condition called Squire syndrome and they have fully working ovaries and uteruses like. None of these yeah. real binaries that we believe break down scientifically Everything or socially very well. Yeah. Everything has always been a spectrum. Binary is just, or at least a gender binary, I don't think scientifically breaks down very well. Oh, there's such a weird fear because of uh, what I see in America as the uh, the Puritan uh, influence in America of this fear of sexuality and, and, and all of this stuff that seems to be prevalent more so in America than in other first world countries historically even haven't those other countries been in some ways much more liberated than us like mm-hmm. just much more i don't know we we do have very purit- puritanical values here i think yeah christianity tends to influence the legislature a lot which i don't love i don't love any religion um influencing that because i think it's inherently wrong i don't think religion is the final basis of morality i don't think it's the thing we should be basing our laws on but if we're going to do it then we should do it on the same basis across everything like can you imagine how much fucking the trumpers would freak out if like muslim religions started making laws yeah like they they would islamic Holy religion i guess shit. oh my god they'd be like sharia law and like we're all losing our minds and this is and we're gonna they're gonna start chopping our heads off on youtube again yep. and you know there's a reason that the founders of the country like didn't think religion should really have a big say but i mean yeah no it, it, it totally <laughs> i makes guess sense. they were probably religious some of them were religious men but some of them I were think more most secular of them, most of them were deists they believed that yeah. there was a higher power yeah but I, from my reading many of them were secret atheists yeah i i don't know also atheists and discourse are so shitty like i almost don't <laughs> I don't even want to be associated with them. Like, I always identified that way because I felt like it was the strongest way to support my position. Like, I feel like being, what's the one that's agnostic? That's sort of floundering. It's like, it's like saying, well, we could never really know. It's not really floundering to me. Like, I feel like it's a respectable title. 
What does human secularist even mean? Because I feel like that's the thing I've human identified Human secularism with. is, I feel, uh, the title that I would most identify with. I think I've, um, I've identified with that one. This most. is uh, this is a scientific worldview. We we you know we we believe in in uh, the scientific consensus generally, and you are about advancing humanity as like, a whole. Yeah, and like I don't know. This is caring for every human s- being. You know. Yeah. So it's very progressive. And it's, it's, it's about, it's about, I I feel like, I don't know, coming from the right and then like coming to the left by way of libertarianism. Um, I I would say I'm definitely more on the left now of the political spectrum, but I like have kind of run the gamut on my way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think it's, it's the most, the most respectful of individuals, you know, and then mm -hmm. also groups at the same time. I think so too. I think atheism, at least online, tends to be like very much a bullying presence. It's something I not yeah. I don't want to be associated with. There's um, a there's a cockiness and a smarminess that can come off in yeah, the same way that a lot of religious people come off to me. Exactly. And also, like atheists fail to like acknowledge that most of these theistic people are fucking by far and large way happier than them. You know what I mean? It is hey, a fucking... Okay. I've got an opinion on this. Okay. Okay. So I grew up completely believing in, in all of the religious dogma of all that shit. Way into it, too. And I needed it. Like, uh, psychologically, I needed that support. I needed to believe that God had a plan for me because I was lost. I had... At that point, I can look back now and see that I was... Uh, dealing with depression undiagnosed and untreated Mm -hmm. and I was treating it with religion Mm -hmm. and religion was was telling me that this was actually a demon this was satan or some you know weird shit and that I had to pray against it and you know this produced some effect in my life I would feel better when I prayed but it would always be back you know and I would always have to keep coming back and religion was telling me it was something that was wrong with me that I well, had to correct, so how, I had to stop jerking off, and I had to stop smoking cigarettes, and I couldn't, like, you know. How different is prayer from meditation? Because meditation. It's not. It's not. Meditation it's not. It, changes your brain so much. And there I'm not are even important being, differences, but the but effects are very similar. Well, they're very related as practices. Totally. And totally, I don't totally. meditate. I'm not, like, here to tell you this because I meditate every day because I'm really bad at it. Actually, yeah. my mind wanders a lot. I'm trying to hone the skill. But, like, Tibetan monks who fucking meditate every day, their brains look so different than my brain. My brain is filled with anxiety and horror all the time. Cortisol spikes. I can't focus on one thing. And it, my brain, like, well, okay, it's not, I guess it's not really fair to myself to say my brain wouldn't be that way if I did this every day. But doing this every day changes for sure. And it can be, like, even just introspective thinking or taking mm-hmm. a moment for yourself yeah. changes your psychology so much. I think that's a big part of why prayer helps people. I mean, going and sitting on Sunday does. and just being like, what am I doing in my life? Am I doing a good job? It's almost like therapy. Like it all these things are absolutely all, is. All of these things are all related. It's a certain kind of brain stimulus. It's a certain kind of like, you know, presence of self and, 
reflection. I think all of it can be helpful, including religion. And I think also that like sometimes in my life, it's incredibly harmful. And I'll tell you how. So yeah. what I'll do is I'll like watch film critiques about movies I haven't seen and like watch like fucking discourse about two people that I hate, two separate people. You're on one side of the spectrum, can't fucking stand you. You believe the opposite thing and I hate you too. And I'll watch them argue with each other. Like, <laughs> I think this is intellectual stimulus, but it's not. It's brain garbage for me. This is intellectual and, masturbation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what you have to do is like bring yourself back into yourself. And that's what all those things are. That's what religion does. It's what therapy does. That's what meditation does. It's introspection. So if you can manage a little introspection with a dose of morality without being religious, meditating, being a vegan, whatever the fuck, then great. You should try. Like, we should all genuinely try to do that as people. But I just, I can't sign on with organized religion about this shit. Because I well, don't, I think it's, like, I know it's, like, a lot to say it's, like, controlling the masses. But it's kind of, like, it does control the masses. It influences what they think, how they vote, policies. I mean, like, yep, it's not supposed to do that here in the USA. That's supposed to be our big freedom thing, right? Doesn't matter what religion, race, creed you are, you're safe here according to the Statue of Liberty. That is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like, we happen to only like this one religion that is like 98% white people in our country. And I mean, of course, they're like, they're, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of people of color that follow a branch of Christianity, but. Okay, wait Our, a sec, though. How many of those people of color would have followed that religion if they weren't exactly. dragged here in chains? Exactly. Or, like, you know, I mean, even, like, so, you know, people from, like, Mexico, but there are other countries down there, guys. There are other countries. Yeah, they're further south, though. You got to go a little longer. But Christopher Columbus fucked them all up with Christian. Yeah. He, like... He Dude. really did spread that shit. He was he like showed up at the scene and was like, "You guys owe me taxes now." <laughs> yeah, like dad, just started fucking slaying people. The uh, yeah, South America is incredibly interesting. So we have with no its, idea the, what the theology how... these people would have no, if they not had at been. All. They would have not the most interesting, but... cool religion that I would be into. I'd be like, "I'm a witch. I have this religion." Don't talk to me. The world is ending in 2012. South American Catholicism is fucking fascinating and terrifying. Like, so I'd mentioned earlier about traveling a little bit. The only place, I, the only other country that isn't like directly connected to America that I've been to is Colombia. And driving, you get in a bus in Colombia and there is Catholic imagery everywhere in this bus, which I can only presume is the case because I was praying as an atheist on that bus because it was fucking terrifying, <laughs> but they apparently need the, the, you know, comfort of mother Mary because it is like just the most dramatic. Like I'm in a goddamn cathedral on the, on the public bus. 
in in Colombia, you Can know. Can I just say though that I actually love religious imagery so much. I love specifically Catholicism. So, okay. I grew up and I went to a non-denominational church. My mom pulled me out of that church when I was about 13. And or maybe actually I was, I was perhaps younger than that. I was maybe more like 10. And I was already starting to be a pain in the ass. It was such a big church that they like had to split up into really tiny age groups. It'd be like you and people three years older than you, but like no older than that. We were all like, and we were learning about the Antichrist one time. And I like raised my hand and I'm like, okay, so you've taught us about the Antichrist. I get it. I understand everything. Here's my question. How about the first time that Jesus comes, we just don't believe that one and instead of answering that question they were like it's really great that you have questions <laughs> and then they just like moved on and i was like i don't believe in this anymore like you can't even explain to me why the answer to that whole you taught me a whole sermon about the antichrist and the obvious logical answer to that would be to not believe the first person who claims to be Jesus. And you can't even explain to me why that won't work. Why I right. had to listen. And so I was no, just very done with that. I was very done with it at a young age because they, were, they weren't able to answer my questions. I remember asking another time, what is the scientific evidence of the great flood? And no one wanted to like, I mean, of course there have been mountains on whatever, but they... They can't explain it raining for 40 days and 40 nights and the whole world dying except for two of every animal because that didn't happen. Yeah. Like, they, I went to try. a church camp. No, I went to a church camp where they believed that people and dinosaurs were same, like alive at the same time. And I was I like... I believed that shit. I, that is terrifying to me. Like, it is even, even at a very young age, I did not... I was like... More, I was like just informed enough to know that, like, if they could answer my questions, they would. And I didn't like it. And then my mom stopped taking us to church. And uh, I think it had a lot to do with like my parents' divorce and my mom was becoming very disenchanted with the church we were going mm. to. But I always do have like a fondness in my heart for Catholicism because we already talked on this podcast about how I like opulence. <laughs> I'm serious. It's those hats, isn't it? No, the the appearance of like wealth and tradition and yeah. pageantry and okay. and so what I, I my only real experience with Catholicism is my best friend is Catholic and sometimes I would go to church with her family on Sunday and we would like really not want to go in the morning. We'd be like, "Come on, let us stay home." And her mom would be like, "No, you're going to church." We'd put on our nice clothes. And we'd go to, like, Sunday school, which was in a building different than the Grand Church. Then we would walk from that building to the Grand Church. And I remember doing this mainly. The best memory I have of it is it was snowing, and they were, like, giant snowflakes. We were walking towards this big, huge, like, I mean, it might as well have been the Notre Dame to me, literally, at that age. It's in Lancaster. It really is a beautiful church. You can see it from quite a ways away. It has a huge <laughs> spire. Seriously, it's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> church. Like, it's probably been around for 200 years. It's seriously gorgeous. But um, 
we would like walk into it and the ceilings would go up so far and the whole organ went up all the ceilings and it was like just so much beauty and opulence like in the sense that it seemed like it had cost money like as a kid i mean i grew up in literally a double wide trailer um on a farm on a lot of land oh not a lot of land but a lot of land for a double wide trailer <laughs> and it just seemed like oh my gosh like i'd never seen ceilings so high or I, stone so carved and like something about the tradition and the way it made me feel i really did always feel peace in churches until like like eventually although it didn't take me very long like i didn't have to be very old realized that i wasn't the type of person that they really wanted among their ranks and that was like the main disenchantment with religion was like realizing that you know God wasn't really down with people like me. Or, I mean, Jesus was. Jesus was, like, down with everybody. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and shit. But right. God people weren't down with me. Like, they would preach this, like, we love every neighbor shit. But the truth is they were, like, just uppity. I... I Man, I have so many fucking opinions on all of this just with my, my history... I I totally I totally get that. This is it's it's like it's, when you say uppity, I totally understand that. But then I can also see it from the other side where I was, where I felt like I was helping a person from I was helping to save a person from eternity yeah. burning in hell by telling them that being gay was wrong. I yeah. literally believed I was helping them by telling them they were sinning and that they needed to stop being gay. Yeah, but when you said those things, you consciously knew that you were a sinner, right? Right. This is where the uh, cognitive dissonance can be ignored to a point. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like, you can make the arguments all day. Like, the fucking Bible says you can't eat shrimp, can't wear mixed fabrics. If there's mold in your bread, a priest has to come bless it. Like, all the shit. But <laughs> the whole thing is just a list of things you can't do or you're sinning. But, like, I guess you could argue that not all sins are equal. But I would also argue, like, oh God, being gay out of all the sins. Like, there's rape, there's murder, yeah. there's hurting someone else's feelings. Even yeah. that, to me, is, like... Like, it actually strikes me that, that the Hebrews were particularly homophobic of the cultures of the time. It seems like a lot of the cultures of the time were way more open to to uh, homosexuality at that age, and the Hebrews just happened to be way homophobic. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is a feeling I get from my understanding of things. You could make the argument, too, that the Bible has a lot of like similarities to the agenda of the Roman Empire, the story of Caesar, etc. Like other religions that predated Christianity were very similar. Um, I don't know. 
what I, I've lost my point. <laughs> well, I think actually, like that's because you know we might be stoned. We might be. <laughs> you know what? Like on that note, I gotta say that it has been wonderful chatting with you tonight. We have hit, we have hit ninety minutes. No, it's gonna be great, and. You know, he's not <clears throat> cutting anything. You're not cutting. Anything. I'm not cutting anything. No, I would never cut a thing. But I would <laughs> oh, this no. this this new branding of Lampshade Media presents. Nobody likes dusty burrito is now about to fucking take the fuck off, and I couldn't be more excited because I'm working on a new sponsorship deal with Redacted. I've uh, you know had some beers with some people over there. So I'm incredibly excited about what's in the future for Lampshade Media Presents. Nobody likes a dusty burrito. And you are now the first guest on the official new podcast. So I couldn't be more excited to have you today. It's been a fucking amazing conversation. Uh, how do you feel about it? No, I I think we should change the name of the podcast. But just hear me out, okay? I feel like we just had a huge conversation about how great this name was. Well, I... <laughs> I do like what Dave Berkey had to offer, but I just... I'm not sure it really fits what you're doing here in this space. I'm just, like, trying to line up your vision with the name. Because I know, like, when you have a podcast, it's, like, really important that you get the name right. And you already picked the name of this, like... You picked Lampshade Media? That's... <laughs> Who's the last person except your grandma that cared about lampshades? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm actually kind of, like, really hype on lampshades. Anyway, I think uh, we should change the name of the podcast to uh, Unnecessary Stairs. <laughs> okay. No, this this I can get into. This has got longevity. I I'm I'm kind of down with this actually. I'm gonna cancel I mean, how my many next stairs? appointment with uh, Redacted. I'm gonna cancel my nearest local open mic comedian. <laughs> we never got into cancel culture. Remember? Oh, uh, we did briefly. Yeah, I guess. No, no, we were dancing around it all night. It was glorious. Just danced perfectly. <laughs> Yes. Perfect waltz. And now, and now, is is there any correlation between that and unnecessary stairs? I think all stairs are unnecessary. I mean, how would you get back up? You could jump down at risk of your limbs. Well, there, no, there, I, there could be an elevator. There are elevators and escalators, all and right. you right. could walk up a hill in some situations. I think unnecessary stairs refers to a situation in which there's another option. Like, obviously, don't throw yourself off a roof. But if there's an elevator and you take the stairs, <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> stairs, I won't do that shit in heels. <laughs> we could just. Yeah. <laughs> I have a healthy friend that, like, you know, lives, like, one story up. And so. She always takes the stairs. I'll do that too, one story up in flats, but not if I'm fucking on stilts already. Like, 
Unnecessary stairs are just stairs that could have been avoided anytime. All right. So how am I going to merchandise this? I mean, I, I'm obviously in this it's for the money. It's better for a punk, like a punk pop band, honestly. I no, I mean, like, like what kind of like merch am I getting? Like, how am I going to support this? <laughs> Ramps. Yeah. You just roll <laughs> it out on the stairs. It's a ramp to go. <laughs> this is this is perfect. This is this is uh, this is uh, this is garbage. Right <laughs> if you have this is Courtney Taylor, and if you've listened to this at all, I'd just like to formally apologize. Please DM me your address, and I will send a fruit basket or something. <laughs> Thank you very much, listening public. This has been Lampshade Media Presents. Unnecessary Stairs. Fuck yeah. This program is produced by Lampshade Media. Hosted by Mel Milliman. Music by Tyson Shipman. Graphic design by Griffin Browning. Social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food, Platform Brewing Company, and The Garden. <laughs>